playing. You put out, you get back what you put out, right? That's what so. that's what it boiled down to. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't necessarily yeah. believe in in karma, but I do believe that what you what you put out, you do get back. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I don't think infants do enough to get themselves killed and drive by shootings or car accidents and shit like that. So yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily believe that that's karma or anything like that, you know. But it might not be their karma. It might be somebody else's karma. You know what true. I mean? Very true. Very true. And, and because and because they haven't had enough time to to get enough momentum and enough charged like like deliberate energy to put into their own karma, you know, their karma, you know, that you know that it, it's not strong enough to keep them out of harm's way or whatnot. Yeah. Know? Or it could it be uh the sins of the parents, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean I think all right, you can call it what you want, but I, I, I'm a, I do believe that, like what you, what you put out, you know, what you voice to the world, like what, what, how you act in the world, uh, will in return deliver uh, uh, appropriate but, but equal response, you yeah. know, from from the world, right? Yeah. And that could be, I mean, that could be good or bad, man. I mean, you know, it could be great too, I guess. But, but I just, you know, and I mean, I'm I'm speaking from experience. Like, you know, when you when you what you, I can't. I keep saying you, but what I put out, um, I mean, I see it come back to me, you know, in a, in very real ways, and I have for years, man. And, and so I'm a believer. I mean, I mean, I'm a believer, you know, yeah. uh, because it's been it's been reinforced again and again and again, you know. And that includes like with the with the negativity, you know that that's been, you know, that's been been proven too, you know. So it's a lot less of that in my life as a result. Yeah, less of that, a lot less, as much as yeah. the, the the least amount as possible, zero point zero 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 one percent. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. The thing about, I was, and I did a podcast about uh, negativity with uh, a homegirl, and I did a recent one, and me and, 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 and Jimmy, and we were just talking about that stuff, man. And I was just, even after it was over, there was a conversation. We were like, man, do people realize, like, when you feed that shit, like, it comes back a lot quicker than uh, positivity does. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's true. I just, I think that, I think that positivity so so negativity comes back in very predictable ways right because you know there's a there's a there's a recipe there's a formula for it but i think that positivity doesn't it never comes back how we want it to come back no. you know it comes no, back no. how it's supposed to yeah. for for it to make sense in our life yeah. so so i think i think they come back at the same rate of speed i just think that we culturally just pay more attention to the negative stuff. I mean, that's just, that's who we are, man. If you look at the TV that most people watch, you know, we watch the bachelor and we watching uh, all of the housewives and the reality TVs. And, you know, we, we put a lot of time and attention into drama and into negativity. And, and it's like, you know, so we, we notice it faster. If we put as much time and energy into positivity, we would notice that a lot quicker, yeah. you know? 
And not, so, just, not just into positivity, but into things that will help us be better or our craft. A lot of people don't even know what their craft is. They sit and watch those shows distracted. Man, their craft is, is witchcraft, man. It's, it's fucking... <laughs> It's like poison, bro. It's it's like it's like when you when you put your energy into those shows and that's all you're doing. I mean, that's your that's your craft, man. You know, into into perpetuating nonsense, you know, and and negativity and evil, you know. Um, and that's you know, I, I I'm not one to judge, but I do have a difficulty judging people who are purposeless, man, you know, because we, we live in a place and a time where everyone should have purpose, you know? And if you don't have purpose, like, even if you don't, even if you don't know what that is or what that might mean for you, like if deliberately putting your energy into something, you know, that, that creates the kind of change you want to see in your life, whether that's just for you or your, just your family or your kids, or if that's to, if that's to project voices or whatever, whatever that might mean to you, you know, if you want to just make people happy through cuisine or, you know, like I, I, you, if you, if you just go home and you just vegging out and you, you just, feeding into this negative i mean feeding off of this negativity i mean if 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 it's true when we say you are what you eat and we talk about what you consume you know kind of physically uh mentally and emotionally right then you know you have to take take a step back and, and look at you know like the media that you're consuming and you you know you can't say oh i'm a i'm a positive person if all you looking at is like negative stuff you know what i'm saying you can't say oh like i'm i'm a i'm a you know healthy person if all you doing is eating bullshit you know like so i just i just think that you know the at the root of it people just aren't mindful uh and there's a lot of people that are and you know, I don't want to. It takes a certain level of discipline, too. Well, it's it's only it only takes discipline until it becomes routine. Yeah. And, and once it becomes you gotta routine, got to gotta get to that. right, right. And once it becomes routine, it doesn't take any discipline because it's routine. You know what I mean? Like if I was if I was a cigarette smoker, you know what I mean? I mean, it, it would take a couple of times before it became my routine. And then I wouldn't even think about it. It would just be automatic, you know. Right. And that same thing is true for, for everything else, man. I mean, so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I can't be. I, no, I could no, be. I think, I don't I think it's, 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 it's spot on in, in one way or another. Or, you know, we all may see it a different way, but we will all arrive at the same point when it comes yeah. to stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I'm a strong believer in positivity. You know, uh, yeah. I think we have had this, we've had this discussion. Um, coming from neighborhoods where it can easily just be violent all day, every day, or seeing right. violence, whether you're on the bus, the train, you're at school, TV, the music, everything. Like it takes nothing for you to be a negative fucking person like that. I know that I, me and my little sister were talking about that, was talking about that recently. I was like, do people understand? Like I'm only calm like this because the other shit can get out and like just reap havoc. Like they don't, 
they don't they don't get that like people are cool and, and they, they they're welcoming them because there may be another part of them that they're trying not to not trying not to uh let out you know in certain cases but it's 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 something so beautiful man when i can i see the positive and in, in so many things and, and, and not just people but just in the world and, and when I'm when I'm doing this podcast or when I'm looking at art or when I'm searching for like different things that be motiv- motivational to me. It's like you find it everywhere. Like it's everywhere. Yeah. It's in everything. It is. It is. It's like uh, uh, that old movie, I think Stigmata, when it, uh, I think the verse or something, or the notes the guy wrote, he said, God is in everything, not just in the church. You know, and I feel like the same thing is for positivity. Like you don't you don't have to go too far to find it. It's, it's right there. It's just a mind state of recognizing and going, you know what? I need more of that and less of this. You yeah. Know, negativity, man, like we like you said, it's in the food, what you drink, what you eat, everything. Yeah. It's everywhere. And I'm not one of those guys who's big. What you watch and what you listen to, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not one of those guys that's just big on continuing that. Like, I got a bunch of hip-hop music that's full of negativity. I got a bunch of hip-hop music that talks <laughs> Down about you know women and, and, and down about the homies and or people the ops and all that stuff like that's easy to gravitate to because you're dealing with a situation where people just know what that generally is but yeah you grew up in close proximity killing, to it you ain't killing every a hundred people every day bro like no one's doing that shit yeah. no one's doing that like no <laughs> one's doing that man like I, at some point I know every rapper. Every hustler, you know, every game bank in the world would say, yo, I don't even wish I was here. I wish I was on vacation. I knew what another country looked like. I knew another, I wish I knew what another state looked like. Right. You know what I'm saying? So there, there's positive, positivity in all that. But it's just, yeah. I just think everybody arrives at it differently, you know, and it's just in their time, in their moment, you know, and in their lifestyle. And I hope that more people continue to get to it um, as we yeah. do. So, well, I mean, I mean, I feel like if if you if you ain't on that arc right now, then I mean I can't predict the future, so I don't know if there'll ever be a, another moment like the one we're in, where assessing, uh, accessing like positivity, accessing purpose, accessing like a uh, uh, you know future future orientation is like so much easier now i think just because there's so many conversations about so many different things there's so many things that were buried that are that have broke broken ground and there's so many you know spaces especially if you're a person of color that you weren't able to enter that you are now able to enter you know and um you know, I think I think it's important that we 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 recognize that and and just try to be better people, man. You know, I mean, we all got negative stuff going on in our life and we need that stuff because that's what brings balance. But but I also think that we can't obsess about it. We can't let that be our focus, you know, and we need to we need to be able to switch gears and focus on what's happening on the other side of the spectrum, you know. So, I mean, and I, I think I do a pretty good job of that uh, in general. Um, I would say, I would say like 98% of the time, 99% of the time, you know, the day before yesterday, you know, I had the worst day I had in, in like the whole year, right? It was the only bad day I had this year. 
And it was a bad day because I didn't have the, the endurance to kind of like keep working through it. So it just, it affected me, my, my mood and stuff. And I, and, and I was like, okay, like I can take that one on the chin. I don't, this ain't an experience I have often. And then this was what dope. This is what's dope. Like, you know, I'm usually the, 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 I got this internal motivation where I do a lot of positive self-talk and a lot of positive affirmations and, and I, and I do it for other people with other people, you know? And, and so, because that's the energy I put out into the world when I needed it, right. Immediately there were two people on the spot, you know, that, that it was, it wasn't even a discussion. It wasn't even like some fake support. It wasn't, you know, it was just like, well, you know, what about this? What about that? What about that? Well, did you do something for yourself today? Well, what did you do? How did you feel? Like, it was just like this conversation. And before I knew it, my, my day, like my evening, right. Cause I had a bad day, but my evening was like, good. It like switched over because I, I, I have people around me that like, where we have a culture of, of recognizing and highlighting and putting energy into the positive, you know what I'm saying? And so, so like I snapped, I snapped right back and it was like, Go back and I felt so good. Was it mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion? What was just over, you were just overwhelmed at the time? No. So, so it's, it's like endurance. So I, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on most of the things in my life are, are that are, that are happening in the front and in the back are all extremely long-term processes, right? that take a certain amount of endurance that require a ridiculous amount of time, labor and intensity. And so for whatever reason on this day, I got hit with so many things at one time that like, it's like, I, like I tripped over the hurdle, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. And I, and I fell and I felt like shit. And then like, like it was like the two people who was in, on my team relay like came and, and picked me up and got me back in my rhythm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, you know, that don't happen a lot, you know, to, and to me in my life. And, and I, and so I recognized that that's what was happening. And it was like, you know, I'm not like Superman or nobody, like I'm human, like everybody else. And we all have bad days, but my whole day, wasn't bad and you know and i had i have i had people around to help make sure that like i bounced back like when i went to bed you know i woke up the next day i i when i went to bed i was myself when i went when i woke up the next day i was myself and i just and i started my day from scratch you know but it, it was it was like if if let's say it was the opposite and you know i'm I'm promoting negativity and I'm promoting, promoting division and, you know, and I'm, I'm just kind of siloed and I'm, ha and then I have a bad day and I'm upset and I don't have anybody to help me. Then it just magnify, it get worse. Cause now I feel alone. I'm starting to feel buried. I'm starting to feel whatever it is. I'm, I, I guess some people would say depressed. I, I personally have never experienced depression, but you know, whatever that feeling is you know it's kind of in part due to what you have what what's kind of returning to you right uh 
So I, I don't know, man. I, I think I think I think it's a lot to say about about that about just just good energy, man. Good vibes, yeah, yeah. you know, instincts, whatever you want to call it. You know, like it's it's real, man. And absolutely, absolutely, I, I wholeheartedly believe that, man. And over the last, I guess, what ten years of me improving and changing the way things work for me and the people I'm around. I, I, I enjoy this space a lot more. Yeah. I, I feel the, I feel the peace. I feel the warmth. And I feel I can recognize the love from different people. You know, I can recognize the energy of people like that inspiration. You know, that people mm-hmm. like, yo, no, no, you should do that. You should do that. Even me doing this, like I said this before, I ain't want to do this shit. <laughs> People was like, yo, you should do it. I'm like, no, I ain't cut out for that. And it was like, no, yeah. you should you should do it, bro. Like, this would be, this would be something good for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. you, you should do it. And I put it off for so long. And then one day it was just like, you know what? I, I'll give it a shot. We'll see what happens with it. But well, it's your platform, right? And this is this is like what you put your energy into, you know, it like reach like reaching out to people to like share like stories and discourse and conversations and and sharing that with people and people connect to it because these are real people these are people with real experiences these are people who've thought these same things you know and who who kind of live similar or or maybe they don't live similar and they're like oh i never considered it that way or it just by disagreeing it helps reaffirm who they are and what they believe. And that's cool too. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, and I, and I just think, I think that it's, you know, it's okay to be different. And when you have a platform like this, that you've created for yourself, I, I think that that's doing a lot more good and, and promoting a lot more positivity than anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, and I'm, I'm getting more and more comfortable with it as I go. Yeah. I guess we can tell now after 30 something episodes, you know, it's just like <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, that's a lot of that's a lot. That's a lot of talking, brother. <laughs> hey man, listen. Matt Moss gave me four hours a couple times, I think. Are you serious? Yeah, I, I, I ask him to holler at him. Wait, you did podcast with him? Yeah, I'm gonna put it out. I just haven't had to, you know, I have I look, I got a bunch of them. I have a bunch of podcasts. This is this is just thirty that's out here. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to hear his because he he that that dude he's so dope, bro. He's so dope. Yo, listen and salute to Matt Moss because originally when we did the podcast, it was at the time when my nephew—I mean, not my nephew—my cousin was in a really bad accident, right? So he gets in this really bad accident. Um, I heard the news earlier that day. I'm at work. I'm getting these different text messages. People are updating me about what's going on with my cousin. So I get home. I'm trying to like relax, you know, decompress and and start to get in the, in the realm of being being able to talk and be be open and be positive. I'm like, yeah. let me take a shower. Let me get let me get myself together. Let me get myself together. Do the podcast. We go into the podcast, and I'm trying my best. I'm really, really trying my best. So salute to you, Matt, man, because I was really like, I was doing my best to kind of be engaging and, and be be warm and be friendly. And I was trying, bro. I was trying for about 40 minutes, 30 minutes. I was I was trying and we we're having a conversation. I think he, I think he picked it up. I think he picked it up like, yo, something wrong with, 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 with nuts, man. He ain't 
he not like, you know, like he's not, he's not engaging with me uh, enough. So I went to the, to the room. I was like, yo, you gotta, we gotta do this. I, I put it, I paused it. I went in the room. I was like, yo, get yourself together, man. Drink some water, do whatever you gotta do, but this is what you, what you want to do. You know, yeah. he's in Japan. We're going to do this. You know, he's big time difference. He, he lent me his time. You can't, yeah. you gotta be, you gotta be respectful, you know? So I come back to the computer and we, we're talking and he just looked at me. I was like, yo, man, I, I can't even do it no more, man. Look, I got a lot going on and I'm upset. I'm really upset. And I'm trying not to drill this negativity, but it's, it's, it's overwhelming. And I was getting hot. I was getting hot to the point like I really wanted to do something. So uh, I told him what was going on. And he was like, man, bro. I, he's like, I knew it. He's like, I thought I did some shit, man. I was like, no, nah, it ain't got nothing. <laughs> he's like, I thought you were upset with me. I was like, no, nah, man, you ain't, did, you ain't did nothing. I said, Matt, you know enough about me to know that if you offended me, I would tell uh, you. Right. I right. would tell you. That would be the first thing I would do is like, yo, I ain't fucking with you right now, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I told him, I told him everything that ha- happened, and we got off. And I told him, let, please let me reschedule. I'm sorry for wasting your time, but it, it this happened, and this is just it's very random. Yeah, he dealt. We we dealt with that man, and we res- res- rescheduled. And I guess like a week later, me and that yeah. man sat and talked for four hours. I was like, shouldn't you be going to work or some shit right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Independent contractor. He always at work. You know, he worked on his own time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we just kicked the shit, you know. And and he gave a lot of different views on a lot of different things, man. It was just mm-hmm. I was appreciative, just not to like. I like to hear the people tell that story, you know, and, and like. He loves art. He loves hip hop. You know what I mean? These are yeah. things he fucking loves. And, and, and his views on Trump and shit like that. And yeah. I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, yo, this is, I like this shit because I get to just hear him talk about what he's like, what, what he likes and, and the way he feels about it. I don't have to engage so much because he freely, he freely gives. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's true. It's true. Yeah. We yeah. recorded, we recorded a whole bunch of albums, bro. Yeah. Yeah, he ain't talk. He ain't tell you nothing about the albums we recorded. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Man, it was four hours, bro. Man, they on. They on every pretty much every streaming platform, and there's a Bandcamp link. I'm gonna send when I get off the phone with you. I'm gonna send you the link to the one on the Bandcamp because that one's the one that's like a little bit harder to find. Okay. But uh, but man. Yeah, man, we recorded full length projects. We went on tour, like overseas, all kind of oh, shit. shit. Yeah, like, dude, that shit was dope. That was dope. We were, we 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 started recording in like ninety nine, maybe two thousand, something like that. Okay. And our and we recorded our last project in two thousand and twelve. You know what I mean? So so we was getting it for a minute. You know, we recorded two projects. In New York, uh, we recorded, uh, actually, we recorded three projects in New York, and uh, we recorded a lot in Memphis, you know, all the, all of the stuff leading up to the real projects we recorded in Memphis, and uh, I remember going out to Miami with that dude, I, I met Salt from, uh, not Salt, Pepper from Salt and Pepper, and like, like, I got a crazy story about her, but like, it was just like, it was cool man like it was cool stay with him and his mom i worked work she like do interior design so we we like worked for her for a few days and she paid us and we was in this dude's house that was just so fresh man and like 
I mean, it was I, I got so many great memories with that guy, you know, like yeah, he, he's, I, he's, a, he's an original. He's an original. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my that's one of my best friends for sure, man. You know, we lived together for a long time, too, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, he was like he did all the cooking. I mean, that dude's like he might as well. If he wasn't an artist, he was going to be a chef because he could throw down, bro. Like for real, if to fucking do you and him, y'all some y'all too highly gifted. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, for anybody that's listening, these are some motherfuckers, man. Mike know how to make paper out of anything. You do, you leave a couch somewhere, he'll go turn that shit into paper. I'm, I'm dead serious. This is not a joke. He know how to turn anything into paper. Dead serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. These jeans around him, and you tell him <laughs> like him. If you can't fit them, them shit's gonna be paper. Yeah, we could do yeah. that. We could do that. Using that shit for copying and all type of shit. Yeah, yeah. Talented motherfuckers. That's funny, man. I can't believe you remember that. That's that's funny. Yeah, some I just motherfuckers because like I was looking. I remember when they first introduced me to you when I was at MCA. You know what I mean? It was like, well, you may be, you may relate to him a lot more because. Uh, I'm from Chicago. Yeah, from Chicago. We went to the yeah. school. We had Baker. Yeah, yeah. He was telling me, he's like, yo, it, he's like, don't. He's like, you have to find out what it is that you want to do. He said, you may not find it right away because everybody doesn't. You know, he said, and I think you said, I'm still finding out what it is I like to do. He said, and I, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I do basket weaving. I fuck with school. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? Everything, I don't bro. Fuck with you have times like, man, I just I don't have a major. Like, I don't know what it is that suits me yet. And I was like, I can't keep up with this dude at all, man. Like, I don't. I'm still using Prisma colors and shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the last time I used Prisma colors was in Baker's class, man. Like, and and I and I think that like that was kind of like you had to. I think high school. What I what I like what I liked about the high school art classes is that. You know, you, you, it was about materials and techniques, right? But it was more about, it was more about getting comfortable using different kinds of materials. So you had the Prismacolor pencils, you had the, the charcoal with the erasers, you had the ink where you did like the pointillism projects, you had pastels. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, as a, we talking like, what, how old are you when you were junior and senior in high school, like 16, 17, 18. Yeah. So like, so like somebody that's not really uh, an artist, quote unquote, yet, right. You kind of like more like an apprentice at that, at that stage. Right. Absolutely. You, you learning, you learning like, you know, so like when you're a kid, you got crayons and you got watercolors and you got, and that's appropriate for a kid but when you get like to high school level you got the next that next stage then you go to college and it's like boom the door kick open and you making paper and you doing basket weaving and you doing clay and surface design and embroidery and you know like uh, like you doing like all kinds of stuff with all kinds of tools and like it was like it was like going into like, the, you know how, you know, we grew up with the, the candy stores around the way, like that was in, you know, your homegirl basement or whatever. Yeah, it was like, go- yeah, that it's like going to the candy lady and like having so many options. Right. But you only got a dollar today. So like you get as much different stuff as you can with the dollar, but you come back the next day yeah. with another dollar. And it's like, and you, you try all this other stuff and, and it ain't until you like, 
had your fill or feel like you had enough of them that you decide, all right, I, like I got, yeah, I want this, 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 and this, you know, and, and that's kind of how it was when, when I, when I first got there and you know, what's crazy. Like I was supposed to graduate in two, 2000, I think. And I purposely, I purposely didn't take the three extra credits I needed to graduate. Right. So I graduated in 2001. And the reason I did that is because once I found out what I liked, I was like, all right, I want to spend a whole semester just doing that. So I, so I spent the whole semester just doing that to do my, my uh, thesis exhibition, right. The senior, the senior thesis exhibition. And, um, and it turned out super dope, man. Like, like I was like really proud of it. And I still have those pieces. And as a matter of fact, I got, uh, I got uh, three of those pieces on my Instagram right now. Like, like I did them yesterday or something because I'm, I'm so proud of them. Like it, that, that was the best work I did in undergrad. And what's crazy is if I didn't injure myself, I would have never, I would have never even knew, you know, like I had to slice a tendon in my thumb and have reconstructive surgery to like back up off of the wood. Cause you know, we didn't have wood shop in, in high school. So like, I, yeah, I wanted to. There, there was carpentry. There was carpentry. Well, well, yeah, but we built lamps and stuff. You know what I'm saying? We built, we built lamps. What else we built? We built like utilitarian stuff, right? We didn't build art. We built like stuff you could use because, and it made sense cause we in high school, you know, we made those, the boxes, remember the little boxes? Yeah, and, and it, um, it was it was it was it was for uh, what's the next level? Um, uh, the trades. It was for the for that next level, getting you in the trades and shit like that. Right, so right. Because it, it was vocational. Because it was a vocational school, right? But right. when I got to the wood shop, and I was like, oh, I can make all right. I'm like, oh, I want to make a dolphin or a shark or something, and I wound up putting a, a wood cutting gouge through my thumb, and I sliced. I sliced, dude. I was. It was a trail of blood from my my studio to the shop that was like it, it looked like somebody got shot. You know what I mean? And after I got my surgery, I couldn't even hold power tools and I couldn't I couldn't my hand couldn't take the vibration from the hammering or the, or the chisel. So I had to switch it all up. And my teacher was like. You know what? I think you should I think you should. uh play with this and, I, and he brought in like a handful of linoleum and i was like what you want me to do with this and he's like he's like yeah you can just weave it he's like he's like look so he showed me how to make a corner right and i was like okay you know so i went i took the linoleum to a metal cutter i chopped it into strips and that's how i started get, getting into weaving right i got into weaving and it was great because it was like physical therapy for my thumb kind of you know what i mean and then then he was like, all right. He's like, you're doing pretty good with that. He's like, let me show you this other way to make this corner, right? So he showed me another way to make the corner. And then after that, it was a wrap, bro. He, he couldn't show me nothing else. Like, I was, I was teaching myself, you know? And, like, I was making these big, I mean, these, they was huge, man. They was huge. And I just felt so competent, you know, and so... um so secure and it was sculpture still it was, it was just soft sculpture you know and it was organic and 
And honestly, it was like more my speed than than the, the wood and all of that stuff, you know. Um, so like I got into that and it just took me down this path of using like these, you know, recycled or reclaimed materials, the plastics and uh, like the, the plastic bailing straps and the cardboards and and that sort of thing. And, and, and man, I had an endless supply and I made really beautiful pieces i i thought they were beautiful I, I mean i got an a in the class because i i probably spent more time in my studio than anybody that i know you know what i'm saying um and and i mean because we had 24 access that's back when we had 20 we had 24 hour access i remember when i got there if you weren't in one area you was in another yeah bro and it was i was always there though i was always there and i was always working and it was like and it was fun because it was it was it was a cohort it was so many of us and it was like the whole world was there it was so many different people even like it was interesting because you and i we're from the same place we had the same teacher we went to the same school but the other people like the other seven people who looked like us was just as diverse as the people that was from asia that was there because they was from down south they was from different cities in the midwest they was they were from all over yeah. And although we we share like this common like culture, like there were some things that, you know, were like different about them, too. So I just felt like, you know, that woke me up to like what the world might be like, you know, yeah. and it created this curiosity that I didn't have before coming there, you know. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> I remember meeting meeting Vitus and Kenya and, and them having a, they had another conversation with me, too. And I was like, okay, I can fuck with these guys. I can yeah. Because it, it was, it, then it became some, a situation where it was relatable. Like, all right, they know where I am and they're asking me to perform. Like, do something, find, find what it is that you like to do and excel at that shit, you know? But them being able to tell, like, yo, you're going to go through some of the same stuff that we went through, man. But you just... Yeah. Just fight through that shit. Like you, you ain't the only one. Like you are not the only one here doing the same thing. Like we had to deal with the same shit. Yeah. And from meeting them, then I meet everybody else around. It's just like, bro, everybody. We we they think we all the same, and we not. Like we we all see the world in this different way through art. And then when yeah. you're looking at, I'm looking at the way you do art and the way Vitas do art and the others that were like us. That way that they just do the art. It was just like, yo. This is dope in itself because now I get to see how each person sees things, whether they're painting a sculpture, doing woodcutting, whatever it was, basket weaving, welding, whatever it might have been. You get to see the way that they put things together and how and how they think about um, the world or or the way they view yeah. it. And it was it was super dope to see that man. And uh, for me, it was the same thing. It was like okay, the world ain't just like Chicago is just not it. Like that's. Yeah, that's the least bit of, of of anything in my life. Yeah, but that's all that's all I knew before I got there. You know. Yeah. yeah. And I, I will I say this, that. man. All I knew was that my family in the in the, in the south and and some bullshit. So know? I went down there and and before my apartment was ready, I stayed with a family uh, member uh, who I met at my family reunion like the summer before school started. I remember and, that. And one night he came home drunk, man. And like, like it was his mom's house though. And he was like, like 
barking out orders. And I'm like, I'm like, man, I said, and, and but he was like, he was like verbally abusive, cussing at me, you know, nigga, if you don't, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, man, I'm like, first, and I'm from, I'm, I'm from Chicago and you know, whatever. I'm like, bro, first, you're not my father. Second, this your mama house. And she ain't asked me to do nothing. So like, I'm not doing nothing you asked me to do, you know? Dude got a, a a knife that was like 12 inches long and chased me around. I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker. Like legit, like in a drunken rage. I'm running around his mother's dining room table. Like, like it was like a movie. And then I ran out the front door out into the street. And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna like that, that, that. And I, I got on the phone. I called my mom. I was I was livid. And I was like, I'm not staying here. This dude just chased me around the house with a knife, blah, 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 blah. I'm never coming back here. So I had to reach out to the school. And I don't know where I stayed. I don't know where they put me. But I, I went somewhere for a couple of days till my apartment was ready. But I never talked to my family down there again. Like, I, I never. Not one time. You know what I mean? And... And I was like, I was like, man, this is, this is different. You know, this is real different. And luckily, you know, I just kind of met some of the right people like Vitus them, they lived in the dorms. And since I lived in an apartment, like two miles away, I didn't spend a whole lot of time with them, but like, it was, it's funny hearing you say how you met them and, and they kind of gave you this kind of guidance because out of, out of everybody, I think, I think, Vitus was probably the most stable person because he wasn't on that drinking and drugging and all of that stuff. He was just kind of like just a regular dude. He was giving, cutting people hair and, you know, cracking jokes and stuff. And he was just about his business. You know what I mean? He was like really like kind of focused and stuff. And so that's a, that's a, that was a, a good person to, to kind of absolutely get that advice from. You know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah. I don't think I could have got it any better from him, him and Kenyon. I don't think I could yeah. Have yeah, and Kenyon and then uh Jason Overbeck was in there. Uh I got one of his painting, his painting right here. Look at this right, right there. Okay. okay. Jason Overbeck, right? And that was that was uh so when he moved out of the apartment with Vitus, he moved in with this girl, Carrie. And uh, Neil, which is which Carrie's married to right now, so you know I've been I've been carrying this around. I get, I actually got this from my mom for Mother's Day, and uh, when I was in when I was I was probably like a sophomore, I traded him a sculpture for it. And uh, when I moved out here, she was like, you know what? She's like, I got a gift for you, and she gave it back to me because every time I went to her house, I would always tell her how dope I thought this painting was because he. He painted it from a black, a black ground. So he, he primed it black. He didn't do no drawing first. He painted it from life, like in per, like it, man, dude, dude was one of the coldest painters um, that, you know, I ever met. So, you know, it, it was a, that was a great community we had there, man. And I, and, you know, I, I've been trying to, to find that or create that in some way. Mm-hmm. since then in every space I've gone to you know just some sense of community uh some sense of like you know companionship a cohort you know I mean everybody you know don't have they don't have to be artists or 
you know, they don't even have to be creatives. They just got to be thinkers and people who speak for themselves and, you know, people who are like, like wearing masks, you know what I'm saying? Just like authentic people who, you know, who you can, yeah, yeah. And you can trust, you can trust that what they're saying is coming from them and from a, and from a place inside them that's like, you know, that's real. And, and I mean, that more than anything, as far as like relationships with people go, is probably one of the most valuable qualities, man. It's one of the most, it's one of the things I seek out the most. Uh, and I think that's, it comes from th- those kind of experiences in Memphis because, you know, we were all from where we were at and we were all just kind of like, just representing where we were from, but, but, but nobody was pretending, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then trying to build from where we were at that point. Like, okay. I'm, yeah. Now I, gotta, now I gotta go up and forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but that was, I mean, and it sucked. It's, it's sad, man. What happened to the school, you know, like. So the I'm, president, not fully, I'm not fully aware. I, I heard that they were shutting down or closing. No, no, it shut down. Like they, they legit had a funeral for the school. Like I went down, I went down and we went on the last day that it was open, bro. They were selling the, the, the light switches and the light sockets and the, they, every, it, there wasn't anything that was in that building that wasn't for sale. You know, that wasn't part of the architecture of the building. Right. And what happened was Jeff Neeson, the president at the, uh, of the school, when we were there, he bit off more than he could chew. He, he tried to expand. You know, he was going out to New York and he was, you know, it's like trying to keep up with the Joneses. Right. So your peers are out in New York expanding and, and doing this and doing that. And you're coming back with these bright ideas, but you don't have the capital. So you're taking out loans that you can't repay back. And they, I mean, they did some state-of-the-art stuff that I thought was beautiful in the times that I had gone back before the school closed down. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that, you know, this this wasn't sound fiscal uh, responsibility. You know what I mean? Like, or sound fiscal decisions. He he was just buying stuff. And then after he, he fucked everything up, he banged out and went out, went out to New York. You know what I'm saying? And the school... Really? Yeah, and the school was left holding the bag and they had the clothes, like clothes. Like, you know, we came from a school where the one of the one of the, if not the the foremost recognized person in calligraphy hand wrote every diploma of every graduate that came out of that school. You know what I mean? Like this was a real art school. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, this was this was the school where the teachers were artists and where like, you know, like they were they were more than just teachers. Like, I mean, they they taught through example, you know, and and I just I just it just made me so sad, man. So I went down and, you know, it was a line out front like it was like vultures, man. It was like, you know, they waiting for the the cheetah to finish taking all the big parts so they can rush in. And, and soon as that door opened, it was like, uh, it was like Walmart on black Friday. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. Like I went in there cause the, the school bought a piece. They bought a piece for me, one of my baskets when I was a student 
And I was like, well, let me go in here and see if my basket in here so I could just buy it back and give some money to the school and whatever. But it was gone. You know what I mean? Like, it was gone. But there was like, I mean, there was books and there was uh, there was prints and uh, there was a tapestry from Henry Easterwood, and a tapestry from Bill Roberson. Um, it was it was sad, though, man. I just walked all around. I went up, down and around and went took them trips down memory lane. And, you know, it was it was it was sad, man. So now the institution that I got my BFA from no longer exists. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's does that mean crazy. does that mean I'm unaccredited now? Does that mean does, <laughs> yeah, I was does that ask, like so? How, what, how, what do they say about you know your your degrees and everything? Well, I think now that I, I think I'm established enough now where you know where I went to school doesn't matter. Like if I was trying to get a nine to five or something, and they needed to see a bachelor's degree or whatever, then maybe. But that's not that's not my path. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, 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 I'm really, um, you know, I'm really in what I would call the infancy of my art career for as much as I've accomplished, I still feel like I have a long way to go, you know, but, um, but, but I think that I have enough experience now that you know nobody's gonna ask you they'll ask you where you went to school but they you they don't need proof that you went there i mean i could lie i guess and say i went to savannah college of art but why would i do that when my experience in memphis was so dope you know yeah. so I don't extract from the actual truth yeah the truth is better than, than, than a lie anyway yeah and we just talked about this positivity what ain't nothing good gonna come from that you know what i mean so but yeah, man. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Uh, all the art that, that you did, did you ever sell it? Like all the stuff that you made from MCA, did you ever sell it or did you take it with you when you left? Uh, you know what's funny is I never sold. I never sold. The only work of art that I sold while I was in undergrad was one of the images i made from horn island uh and that was like the annual trip to that uh that uh that island it's like abandoned basically it's like a sandbar in between uh biloxi mississippi and the gulf of mexico like 16 miles off the coast and we went out there camped for 10 days we took all our food all our water all this stuff and we made artwork based on that experience and when we came back, we had this big show and I sold the I sold the work that I made from that show, but I never sold anything else. And I think part of it was, you know. All my peers was doing drawing and painting, you know, and maybe some collage some printmaking, you know, like very traditional stuff. And and I rolled up with like these baskets, you know what I mean? And when I say baskets, it makes it sound so corny, bro. But these these weren't baskets. These were sculptures that were like really, I mean, they were just really beautiful. That's why I put them on my Instagram because like everybody they, they, know, he wasn't really making baskets. He call he he been calling them baskets for 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 20 years. The motherfuckers wasn't baskets, man. They was <laughs> right. He, every now and then he made like a joke out of it, out of the artwork he made. He would make a basket somewhere in it, but 
That shit, or he was started out as looking like a basket. That shit was. Yeah, they all start out. They all start out looking like baskets, and then, and then they evolve. I mean, it's like people, you know, like if you're a criminal, if you're a a a, a, a athlete at the top of your game, if you're a police officer, I mean, you all start. You start off as the same kind of genetic shape, makeup, and materials, right? And then you become what you become, and I think that. The baskets, they were organic and they they kind of became what they became. But uh, but yeah, so I think that because what I was making was so, um, I mean, avant-garde is probably not the right word, but but for 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 the student body, I would say it was it was it was avant-garde. Maybe you know, like I was just ahead of my my time i think that's that's why i got the emeritus award i think you know I, you can't you can't vote for it you can't apply for it the, the teachers have to unanimously unanimously decide who is the most exemplary student in this graduating class and they chose me you know and they chose me because here's this dude who came from chicago spazzed out his first semester cussed out the bursar, spit on her, called her a bitch, got suspended from college, got taken out of his class by the dean, had to write a formal letter of apology, lost his scholarship, right? First year, who went through all of that, stayed in school, right? Then got serious, got straight A's for the next three years, started staying in the studio 24 hours a day, got three scholarships on top of the one that I lost back, right? And then graduated with like a four point something, you know? Like, like I, I didn't have a, like a mentor, you know what I mean? I didn't have, I didn't have somebody in my ear. Like Alonzo, you know, I, I listened to Vitus give this talk one time and he, he's talking about how Alonzo like put him on, he connected him to, these these people who ran this business and how he learned all of these things and it helped him and he met all these artists and he had this whole experience like i think because vitus was responsible alonzo was able to do that for him but because i was irresponsible alonzo was just trying to like get me to like chill out and like focus you know what i mean and so and so that's that's what i did you know and and so because he probably didn't trust that I wouldn't spaz out if I, if he put me with someone else, he took me to his studio and I, and I helped him with ideas for some of the bamboo sculptures that he did. But like, I really didn't have a, a mentor, you know what I'm saying? I had to mentor myself. I had to learn what positive self-talk was as a 17 year old, you know what I mean? And, and I had to use it to effectively, communicate and to keep that side that you was just talking about earlier in the conversation at bay you know and and so like I was able to do that and I was able to do that so well that I got this emeritus award and they gave me what twelve hundred dollars or something when I graduated and I just I took it I flew to Poland for three weeks and I went you know went all over Poland I went to Slovakia I went to uh the Czech Republic and I went somewhere else, but like, and then I came back and gave a lecture at the school, you know, but like that, 
I feel like college saved my life in a lot of ways, man. And it, and it definitely changed my life. And, you know, all of that weird stuff that I was doing with all of those materials, I mean, I'm still doing like right now. Okay. Right now, most people are responding to the paintings because to, to average people, you know, by average people, I mean, people who aren't in the art scene or the art world, you know, drawing and painting is like art, you know? And, and, and so I could see why they respond to the paintings. I mean, granted what I'm painting too is kind of provocative, but like, but like the, all that material stuff, the, the, the plastics and the cardboard and the, the basketry, that stuff, it's not gone anywhere. You know, it's just, it's just fun. It's showing up in different spaces and in different and in different places. And it's much more professional now. You know what I mean? Like I was doing tape, tape drawings and, and stuff like that. And I'm still using tape now. I'm just using $60 roll retro reflective tape, you know, like, and, and it's my, the, what I'm producing is more kind of concise, but like, I think that, I think that just getting injured and, and finding these materials and just a different way to describe, you know, the world that I see uh, really kind of put me in this place where I'm at now. Now, you know, now, of course, like I sell, I sell stuff and, you know, I've sold stuff and that's, that's never going to be an issue. I don't think, I hope not, but, um, but the, but in, in college, one piece, I sold one piece. And I remember, I remember going to the holiday bazaar, Fred Burton, he was the, the painting instructor, right? He would do these uh, wood cutouts of like animals and he would just do like all of this paint texture, design, decorative kind of stuff. And he would sell them all. And I remember being like, wow. You know, I was so impressed. Like this dude was killing it. And then I was like, man, you know, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my work? And, but, but now it's like, I, I make these paintings and I don't make the paintings to sell, right? So if someone commissions me and they say, hey, I got, you know, $1,500, I want you to do something cool. I, I got these ideas in my sketchbook that I have identified by price point, right? So I got, I got a $60,000 piece that I want to make that I can't make without the money. I got a $10,000 piece. I got a $1,500 piece, you know, but I got like 30 pieces and they're all there and the, the ideas are all mapped out. So, so I get to work these ideas out um, and, and, and materialize these pieces with the commission, right? But the, the paintings and stuff, I don't, I don't sell them because they're made to be a backdrop for conversations. And once you sell them and they go to somebody's house, you know, they don't come out of, they don't come out to people's house, you know, or they don't come out of, um, and unless, unless they let me keep them for a couple years for exhibition, which the last painting I sold, that was what, that was written in the contract. So I kept the painting, it said for two years, but I kept the painting for almost three uh, but I just recently had to ship it over to uh, to Singapore. But man, I I wouldn't choose another occupation. You know what I mean? Nah, it don't sound like it either. <laughs> no, uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't choose another occupation, man. Like it's I learned so much about myself and all of the things. 
about myself that I had problems articulating as a young man, as an older man, um, I'm, I'm finding that I can use my work to pull that stuff out and do it in like the most mature way possible. And it's like super therapeutic for me. And it, and it's, and it's also like informative and, uh, and educational for people who aren't a part of my culture. Right. And I, I just think, I just think that like, it's the best of both worlds. Uh, so, you know, cause it ain't nothing worse than like trying to tell somebody about how you feel about a, a topic that's important to you and they, and, and they dismiss you or, or they offer an alternative perspective or they minimize or give you like bullshit suggestions. Like when you have, when you have, when you live a, an entire life of that, you stop telling people and you just bury it inside because you, it's, it's, there's no resolution. So now the work is the resolution, you know, like you can't talk back to the work. I mean, you, your, your entire dialogue is between you and yourself, you know, and the, the painting is just, you know, the prompt for the, for the internal discussion that, for you to have with yourself. I mean, unless of course I'm there and you have questions and, but even if I'm there and you have questions, it's, it's, it's better because instead of minimizing or, or dismissing what I have to say, like now you all ears, you know, which, which, which was something I didn't have before I started using my work to, to create those kind of spaces. Who were like your influences or, or inspirations as you, further went along with your uh, artistic career did you just uh, you just lock lock in and say i'm just gonna knock this shit out or yeah so so i did and and like i remember in, in undergrad it was magdalena avakanovic right she she was a fiber artist hungarian she had a lot of work in poland and stuff that's why i went to poland so i could see her work in real life so i could find it you know i traveled around that whole region and i and i found some of her work and I got the inspiration that I needed at the time, right? And then, uh, and then after that, I mean, the only other artist, I mean, I, I haven't really had any artists inspire me after that, you know, like, because I don't, I don't look at a whole lot of artists' work um, because I don't want me, me to go from liking something to, seeing that what I like about someone else's work in my work, you know? So like, I remember I, uh, in 2015, I was here in Cincinnati. I was at the uh, Contemporary Art Center. I went to see a show um, that Titus Kafour was doing. And, um, you know, young black guy, he was doing he had this this show where he did these line drawings of like all the black men who had gotten killed by police and he would combine two of their faces right in, in pencil so it would be two outlines of the two of the, and he did a couple of those and then he had this installation that i thought was terrible actually um and it just seemed like he just kind of threw it together and I and I and I looked at um like I looked at the person I came to the show with and I was like I could do this and at the time I just 
I was just not making any work. You know, I probably hadn't made work in three, three years. I was like, I could do this. Wait, wait, and you, you hadn't done any art? No, no. I just, I just, uh, you know, I had broke up with my long-term girlfriend. I moved into an apartment on the West side. I was just kind of like on some whole shit, you know, and like, uh, like, you know, I was working and I was just staying up like, like I had my little roster. I was, all I was doing was just like, I don't know, man, I was just distracted. You know what I mean? And so, so when I went to that show, I was, I, I was, I felt envy is what I felt. You know what I mean? And then I, then this competitive thing happened and I was like, I was like, I told, I told the person I was with, I said, I said, I'm a, I'm a, um, I said, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have something here one day. And I went home, I went home and I just planned it out. And I was like, all right, what am I going to do? I'm like, all right, I never painted before in my life. I never even took a painting class and in college. Right. I was like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna do paintings. Right. I'm gonna do some paintings. So I bought a roll of paper for like $130. It was like 15 yards. I would cut sections of it up, put up, do large scale faces. Boom. Um, and I got through a bunch of those and they were cool. And then that turned into some of them turned into murals. They, you know, eventually like I kind of got in the habit of it. Then I started getting commissions and then I started, um, I started getting like opportunities to show the work. Right. And then like, I saw that he, he got like a, like a basically a genius grant for like half a million dollars. I'm like, all right, I want to get that too. You know? And then I saw him, he did a Ted talk. I'm like, bro, I want to do that too. You know, but that was on my list before I saw he did it. But like, I don't, and I just felt like, I just felt like, you know, what he was doing was accessible for me too, you know? And, and I was like, man, if I feel like this about him, like if I start looking at all these other artists, I'm going to be messed up. Cause I'm, a, you know, and I, and I, I'm not a, I'm not a real a envious person, but I'm competitive. And I'm like, man, like, I want this. Like, I want to, I want to do this. This is, this is, I dedicated my whole life to this. You know what I mean? He, he got into it because he wasn't trying to impress a girl, you know? And like, and I was like, you know, that like he, that's a dope story. And I, and I'm, I'm so competitive that I'm going to make it happen. So like, next thing, you know, like a few years pass and boom, I have an event in that space. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that got that out the way, you know, now on Saturday, right. I got a Ted talk, right. We'll Boom! Got that out the way. We'll be in attendance for that, right? So, so now all I need is that that five hundred thousand dollars genius screen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> on the way. That's next. Yeah. You're on right. Right. Way. I mean, I mean, and I don't, I don't feel like I'm a genius. I ain't gonna be like Kanye West or nothing. You know what I mean? And say I'm a genius or whatever. Like, I mean, I guess I could. And but the art um, will speak for itself, though. We know that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that the work that I'm making, you know, outside of my competitive spirit and and you know how dope these other brothers are and all my contemporaries and all of this stuff. Like I, me, myself and I, like I think the work that I'm doing is, is unique to me. Like I researched it before I started doing it because 
I didn't want to, I didn't want to make a parody of someone else's work. And I, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to do like a, a second rate reproduction of something someone else was doing, you know, like, you know, okay. I, I mentioned Titus. I, li- I like his, I like his work. You know, I mean, I'm not emulating him or making work that's even close to what he's doing. Right. Um, my work is very different and in a very different direction, but uh, very much about a similar uh, experience, which is a, a black experience. Right. Um, except like I paint, white people as white white monkeys and i i place black men in scenarios with these monkeys that tell stories about like right now about today you know and i think that you know it's gonna take i guess i i guess it just needs i I need to get enough of these kinds of paintings and enough of these stories depicted like on wax right uh for for it to really kind of be understood what I'm doing. Because I think, I think when people see my paintings, they're like, Oh, this dude's just painting monkeys. Like, Oh, he's a, he's a, uh, he's a, a wildlife painter or, uh, sure. Or, yeah. When I yeah. saw that, I was like, yo, the moment I saw it, I was like, yo, <laughs> crazy. Right. But, but crazy and relevant. But, but you, but you have, uh, you have the cultural lens, right? You don't have cultural blinders because your experience is, is very similar to mine. We come from a very similar place, right? right. But like, right. let's say, let's say that you, you white or let's say you Asian or Latino or, you know, you know, anything but black basically, yeah. right? When you see this painting, I mean, do you really do you really understand what's going on here? I mean, you see this black dude and and, and you see these monkeys, but I don't think that they understand the shorthand. You know what I mean? And maybe I showed, I'm, it, I showed it to one person, but because he fucked with the culture so heavy, he got yeah. it immediately. He's like, yo, this is dope. I was yeah, like, and you know what you're looking at? And he was like. There's it? a lot of people who get it, right? Don't get me wrong. A lot of people get it, but I, but I, but I think that it it really does go over people's heads, you know. And and so I I, I think I just need to. I don't want to keep painting because we just talked about weaving baskets and doing all this other stuff, and I just got super excited about that. You know, compare compare the inflection in my voice when I was talking about that to. To when I'm talking about this, right? That I mean, fucking pain is that those pains are dope, bro, man. Yeah, and I and I feel you, but I, but I but that's not my twist. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing it because the psychology of it, and because of the therapeutic applications, and because of the conversations that I'm trying to I'm trying to have. But like, I would love to, you know, ultimately get to a place where you know I can I can do what I want. Someone invites me somewhere and say, "Hey, you know, this is the space." what 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 do you envision for it and i open my sketchbook and i look at my 3000 you know like concepts in here and i say oh this one would work perfect for this space and you know and this is how much you know it 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 would cost you know and 
So, I mean, that ultimately that's, that's where I'd like to get, but you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, if, if it takes these, these pa- the monkey paintings to give me a genius grant, then I'm going to keep painting them, you know, until I get, until uh, yeah, I get my genius grant. I don't know what it is you're going to do, but you on the right track. <laughs> I know that much, man. I showed it Yo. to, I showed it to some people. I was like, oh, this, this person ain't going to get it. So I just, like, hey, check this out. It's, oh, that's nice. I looked at it. I'm like, yep. You have no ideas. This is how you kind of just view everything then. Like, oh, right. why did that happen? Or, oh, that just happened. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there are some people who, who, who miss it, you know? Completely. I mean, because it's, and I, and, and it's not because it's not, it's not any fault of their own. Right. I think it's because it's not overt, you know, it's not like, I mean, it's, it's only provocative if you, if you know what it is that I'm painting, like if you know, okay, this dude paints these, these, these things this way, then it's provocative. But if you don't know me, right. Like, and you don't know what I do. Like I had a little kid walk up to one of the paintings not too long ago. And a little kid was like, Oh, look, mom, it's a monkey, you know? And like, and because it's not offensive and it's not meant to be offensive. Right. Because how can you, when, when has any productive conversation came from being offended, right? So, so I have to, I have to really be careful and work in this space where, you know, uh, I'm, I'm being thoughtful about what I'm doing because it's not about, you know, revenge and it's not about humiliation. It's, it's about, it's a, it's about discourse and and creating a a, a visual framework to narrate you know, what the, what this discourse, uh, is and, and, and people stay in that conversation as long as I talk, you know, as long as I'm willing to talk, which, which is a beautiful thing, you know, and I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm creating the kind of change. I'm doing like community impact sessions through painting, uh, when I, when I talk about these things. So I, I think that like, I think that that's fucking genius. You know what I mean? Like, just run me the check, bro. Just run me the check, you know? Hey, I, I, I salute it, man. Get that man that check. Stop playing with him. After this TED talk, talk, like, let's get this man this check and stop playing with him, man. We got work to do out here. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, uh, but I, but I, I, you know, I can't say that I enjoy painting this stuff, man, because what I'm, I'm digging into the well of trauma. I'm, dig, I'm digging into a well of muck and what yucky ignited, feelings. What ignited the feeling to make you want to do that, the painting? Because it's a three-panel piece. Yeah, so this, I mean, but this piece, this this three-panel like kind of allegory about this, this, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's about the art auction, right? Like, you know, it's like the same names at the art auction. You know, you got the the big name artists, the the Kehinde Wileys and the the Basquiat's and uh, you know the um, just just the same names, right? Um, so the Amy Sherolds and stuff like that, and uh, even like Glenn Ligon, like I mean, it's it's so many like dope artists, but like it's like it's like artists who have like high stock. And I, and I just started thinking about how, 
like you know the, the the mandingos you know like they like the mandingos or the black arts right like they they they're the ones that get shown off and they're the ones that have like you know the seeds that you you know you want to spread and you and you you can make a whole lot of money from from having them from owning them right and so so when i started thinking about the art auction i started thinking about how the the activity of auctioning hasn't really changed much for black people uh like in the in except for the fact that instead of you know auctioning their their bodies for labor we're auctioning the the byproduct of their actual physical labor you know and and it's like you know maybe part of that you know that is that envy thing you know i got the green light so you know there it is but like maybe maybe it's like oh you know maybe subconsciously i want to be a part of that and i want to see my painting self for 14 million dollars or something but like i uh you know it, it bothered me it came from a place of discomfort where i was like kind of put off by it and i and i know it doesn't just happen to black artists but like but I'm black, so I'm I'm really only paying attention to the black artists because, you know, like I I I get to measure the potential for myself based on the people who look like me. Now, okay, I can always exceed, you know, the cap for whoever is the most successful African American artist or African artist or black artist, but but you know, we we do a lot of benchmarking culturally by seeing other people do it. Like if I'm in business and I see a brother who's a, a VP or president or CEO or whatever, you know, I know that I can be that, you know what I mean? I know that there's a space for me to become that. If I see brothers playing at the, the highest level in the NFL or the NBA, I know that I can be that. There's a, there's, there's a potentially a space for me there, you know? And so, the same thing is true for the arts, man. You got some, you got some MVPs, you know, like Titus and the Candies and the Amys and all of these artists, you know, even some of the, like the older artists, you know, the, the Faith Ringgolds and, you know, all of that, her whole generation, you know, and, you know, Kara Walker. And, I mean, these are, these are, these are people who are like rock stars, Hank Willis, like, I mean, they just, they're just killing it, man. And it's like, bro, like, yeah, like, I love that. Like, I love to see that. I want to be one of y'all, you know? So it's like, I'm coming into a, in a, in a entry-level position and I'm at the company and I'm working at the company, but I see that the, the company uh, is like, it's like almost like this kind of nepotism thing happening, you know, where, we only we really only letting in the the our people like the ones that we that we mess with that we have the relationships with and and you know y'all other y'all other ones gonna have to like just fall back you know what I mean and, and wait wait to your wait your turn and and you know so I mean this is like this internal dialogue I'm having that's that's the 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 impetus of this painting you know and so after i kind of sorted out how i felt i sort of sorted out how i feel i'm like okay how can i visualize this so i just i went in my sketchbook 
I drew a circle, like an oval, and then I drew out the scene. Like I drew out the auctioneer, I drew out the art handlers, and I drew out the, the buyer and the crowd. And then I scaled it up a little bit and I did a collage. Uh, you know, I found some Sotheby's images and some frames and some, and I collaged them all together. And then, uh, and then it's, I had to take what, two or three months to find monkeys, stock images of monkeys who were in the same positions as the humans in the collage. You, you have no idea how difficult that is, bro. Like, yeah. like some of the, some of the stuff that I have to type in to find the right monkey. Right. So like, you can't just type in, you know, um, a monkey holding a stick. Right. Cause then you get 6,000 photos of monkeys holding sticks that you can't do anything with. You got to type in stuff like monkey, monkey smoking cigarette or, like you have to get like super, super creative, like, um, like, um, like monkey, uh, like a white monkey, white monkey. Cause it's, you get different result, results when you put in white monkey. Right. So like white monkey, uh, kicking soccer ball, white monkey, uh, yelling or, or like, uh, or doing a backflip or whatever it is. Like I have to look at this image. And I have to figure out the, the craziest thing I can I can think of in reference to this picture to, f to find the right monkey, you know? And it takes me like two, three months sometimes, you know? Then once I get them all, I have to figure out where they, where they go, like what the, because the composition is going to change once you find the monkey, right? And, and then draw it out and paint it, man. And then 300 and... 85 days later, Tough. boom, you know, it was exhausting, bro. It was exhausting, but that was, that was the biggest painting I ever did. And you know, you know, this is, this is petty, right? So I'm telling you, like, sometimes I get, I don't get like inspired by artists. I just get this competitive thing, right? When I was doing my research and seeing if the monkey was ever used as a motif, it was only ever used in a still life and like in a Frida Kahlo painting. But then one day after my first painting or my second painting with monkeys, my dude over in, uh, in Malaysia sent me these photos and it's a Chinese artist and he paint monkeys. And I was like, Oh, it's over. Like That's what I, I lost, I lost before I got started. Right. So I'm looking at his, his paintings and they're all, all he paints is baboons. Right. But he, but he paints them blue. And he paints them in groups. And like, so it's just like this textured kind of canvas and you see their eyes and it's like kind of like kind of cartoony, but, but, but they're big and they're beautiful, man. I'm going to just keep it real. They, they're beautiful. So I, so I was like, all right, let me look at this dude's catalog, right? Let me like check out, you know, what, what he, what he's working with. And so all his paintings are, are that, of that. And so I'm looking at him. And they, you know, six feet, one's five feet. And I was like, all right, let me see what the largest one is. And the largest one was nine feet, right? Mm. And I was like, and I was like, all right. And it was like a dick measuring contest, like for real. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do a 12 foot one, right? I'm like, I'm gonna do a 12 foot one. I mean, it was just the most like, like 
like just am- ambiguous number like it had no relevance to you know i just wanted mine to be bigger you know what i mean like that's how that's how competitive i am so i went out i couldn't to get a custom canvas built that tall first of all it wouldn't have fit in my in my current space i'm moving now i'm moving now so it'll fit in my it'll fit in my 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 new space but it wouldn't have fit in this space right so i was like kind of like butt hurt you know before i moved actually before i moved here it would have fit in my last space but but it would have cost me it would have cost me way too much money to make right so i was like all right what if i did three panels at first i wanted to do four but i was like what if i do three panels and each panel has the 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 you know each character on it right so you got the 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 master the overseer and the auctioneer right so so i got three canvases that were four by five feet each put them together and it was 12 feet by five feet and like and i'm i'm glad i did it man now i'm never looking at that dude's work again because like i don't need to have those thoughts i don't need to feel however i felt you know like and you were driven though. Yeah, yeah, man. I just, I, I just, you know, I just, I'm, I use other artists. I guess that is inspiration because I use them as a springboard to be better, you know, not better than them, but better than the last thing that I did. You know, I went from, I'm, I saw this artist do this thing, this, this, this show, and I went from not painting in three years to having three museum shows in the last, you know, two years, you know, like, I mean, all because I went to that show. If I didn't go to that show, who knows what would have happened, you know? So he like got the wheels turning and he got me inspired, you know? I mean, that's really what that was. If we call in a spade a spade, right? I mean, that's probably a, a racist statement. So I'll probably never say that again, no, but if we no, call in, no, we call in a, a fish, of, let's call a fish a fish, right? But I um, see it. call him a spade a spade. You, yeah, you just laying out your hand. A spade is a spade. And then this dude, I you know, after I started this series, you know, he's painting blue monkeys. I'm painting white monkeys. His his series, the philosophy behind it, is nothing. You know, nothing like what my work is about. So I wasn't concerned there, but it was the size. So I'm like, all right, all right. I know my dick bigger than his in real life. So. With those pictures, though, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, because it's real, man. I'm not. I'm not just like. So I, I told myself that I didn't want to be the the the. It's enough black artists who are painting about the past. You know, you got uh, you got black artists who um who basically are like replace whiteness with blackness, and you know, and those paintings you got black artists who uh talk about the erasure of black people and and make work that brings them to the forefront you got black people that talk about historical trauma of the past and 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 address it that way and it's it's a lot of us doing that and to different degrees right and 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 that's a niche that a lot of people are comfortable working in but my, my work because i work with kids you know a lot my work is about 
right now and what I'm what I'm seeing right now, what I'm hearing right now, what I'm experiencing right now, like in in the culture. But, you know, I've seen a lot of things change and I'm not one of those dudes that's like, you know, as they say, every generation is like, you know, those those young kids, they they, they you know, I'm not one of those dudes. I, I think that I think that what I'm seeing is a, a departure from, you know, a, a stable culture because of some of the 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 long lasting effects of the past. So what I do is I, pre- I present like what I see right now and it's, it's anchored in, a, in the past, but like the past is not depicted. The present is depicted. And what I have to say about the piece, if there's ever a conversation around it, is, is got some anchor points in the past that inform, you know, what people are seeing right now. So I very much work uh, in the contemporary sense of of america the america of the you know 21st century um and i think that you know there of course there are a lot of artists that are doing that too you know particularly uh some of the um the lgbt uh q artists and um you know some of the some of the i mean there's just a lot of people working in this sphere but 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 I haven't seen anyone, uh, and maybe this is because I don't spend a lot of time looking at a whole lot of other people's work, but I haven't seen anyone that's, that's really taken the same uh, vantage that I am. Like, and I, I feel like I've found my niche and I found my rhythm and, uh, and it's coming from an honest place. It's not derivative. It's not, um, Would and it's not. Anyone you do like that? I'm sorry. Will this be the only one that you do like that? I mean, like, like what? As far as I mean, painting, because. Well, no, I mean, so, so I got, I have, how many monkey paintings do I have? I have uh, the appropriation. I have three fifths. I have American elephant, Charlottesville. And then, and then I have the, the three paintings from lot number fifth, number 13. So that's, that's seven paintings total, right? Um, I mean, I'm, I got a painting started right now uh, called Exposure Therapy um, that uh, is, is in the same series, right? So I don't, I mean, I don't intend to stop. I mean, I'm going to keep going until I don't have any more stories to tell, you know, um, about the, this black male experience and how you know and how these there's there's this disruption that happens that leads to often fatal consequences you know um you know there's a there's a there's a barrier placed there by a disruptor that often leads to fatal consequences and and so i mean you know, I feel obligated to, to tell these stories, man. You know, um, when I talk to these young men and these young women, you know, I do everything I can to verbally talk to them about the pitfalls in their environment and some of the traps that are set in their music that they consume in the videos. And, and I try to help them kind of learn from other people's mistakes and avoid getting caught up in some of these, like, 
some of these like kind of in- institutional traps, if you will. And so naturally when I, when I create a visual uh, narrative in a painting, you know, the, the idea is to depict the, the trap or depict the scenario that, you know, I was just explaining to this young person so that when, you know, the, these people who are complicit in this experience interface with this pain. And I can talk about how real this is for the, the people that I work with and that live in the community that I live in and, and, and how it impacts them in a real way right now. You know, not, you know, this ain't about slavery, you know, this ain't about Jim Crow. Uh, it's about, it's about the, the long lasting effect of both right and the and the perpetuation of that kind of culture in 2021 though not not in you know 1821 and 1721 and you know 1621 it's um it's it's a it's a dialogue about something that's happening right now that you can see that i can show you a real example of if you know if you if you really wanted to see it you know um so I think it's, I, I just think it's important, man. You know, like we got, we got kids that can't even imagine being a 30 year old, right? Like they can't even imagine being a 30, a 30 year old to them is old because, because a lot of, a lot of people that they know have, have died, have been killed, you know, they have committed suicide, you know? I mean, and we're talking about, we're talking about, I would love to see what the life expectancy is of African-American men between the ages of one and 30, you know, like they, you know, they average us all out based on, you know, the older people too, but, but I bet you it's significantly less, um, when you when you cap it at a at a young because we i mean how many people do you think how many black men do you think are murdered every year in every city in the united states you know what i mean i mean it's got to be thousands yeah you know like i mean that that is i mean what other group what other group? What, who who would who would come in second place in that in that with that same question? Even if they did come in second place, it's not going to be as high, right? But but who would who would be second? Would it be like Latinos or? Yes. Okay. So, like, to me, to me, I mean that's un- that's unacceptable, man. You know, it's like it's like almost like there's a deliberate attempt and to, to like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to go that far, but, but it feels, it feels deliberate is, is maybe the most, the, the most appropriate way to, to say that. And, and so what happens if, you know, disproportionately, we 
find ourselves in the prison system. We 13% of the population, I think, and like 85% of the, the jail population. That's probably off by a few points either way. Yeah. But let's say million black that's, that's close, black. right? Yeah. So, so okay, so we, we, we are the most represented in the prison system. And then those of us who aren't in the prison system are, you know, we got a certain percentage of us that, you know, or get murdered, right? Killed in some form or, or another. I mean, at what point do we stop reproducing? You know what I mean? Um, at what point do do we do we stop being part of you know the the fabric of the country? At what point do we become extinct? You know, like I, I believe like that American elephant painting exists because, man, I, I really do feel like we're we're endangered species, man. And we we're, we're being preyed upon in a lot of different ways, you know, and, 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 and that predator is making money off off of us, you know, in every in every iteration of of, of that that act of preying on us you know and i mean through the use of our culture through the perpetuation of stereotypes that put us in you know the what these systems where they make money billions of dollars i mean it's, it's just like everything we touch makes someone else millions of dollars but it, it effectively ends our life and so American Elephant was just kind of like that. You know, I had this thought one day, like, man, like one day we're going to walk in the field museum or some natural museum. And instead of seeing, you know, a Neanderthal or a caveman in that diorama, it's going to be a black man, you know? And it's, it scared me, man. I mean, like. Yeah, we, 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 we tend to just land ourselves to destruction. And not purposefully. It's not like we're just going, oh, yeah, let's just do it. It's something that's been set in motion to keep us from. Well, it, it goes back to also what we consume. You know, we are we our culture is not not even safe to consume anymore for us because our culture has been, been hijacked. I don't think a lot of people realize how violent yeah. we've made it. Well, well, I don't know if we made it that way. I think that it's been perverted by the people who own and run the labels and they take and they take financially naive young people who don't know anybody. Like, so if you take 16 year old me who got kicked out of school and who cussed the lady out, spazzed out and all of this, lost my scholarship. And I got all that anger inside of me and you put me on a rap label and give me some jewelry and some cars and all that. And I'm just, and all I can talk is what I know, which ain't a whole lot. Right. Then I don't, I don't, I don't know how I can be blamed for what I don't know. You know what I'm saying? All I know is I'm making this money. And, and so what, but what happens is there's a whole bunch of other knees out there with similar experiences that get hooked on this message and see me and they want to do the same thing. And, and somebody figured that out. 
And, you know, then they figured out that they could link, they can directly link, you know, this narrative and this rap to the, the, the potential uh, acting on criminal inclinations that lead to incarceration. So they partnered up with the private prison system and it's, it's a feeder. Rap music is a, is a feeder, you know, to, to the prison system, man. And, and, Absolutely. and, and it's, it's, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I feel powerless, right? I mean, I'm gonna just keep it real. I feel powerless. And so because I feel powerless, what is within my power is to, you know, do some of the work that I, I do in the community, work with the kids, have these conversations, try to improve these outcomes and make these images that, or like my peaceful protest, you know, that, that is, but it's more than a peaceful protest. It's more of like, like documentation of, uh, there's a mirror being held up showing you what, what I see and how clearly I see it. And, you know, there's no one who can tell me that, that, that truth, my, that my truth is not the truth. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, experience when you're trying to explain that to someone who's outside of the culture, and they you just it's just like talking to a wall. Well, that so that's my primary audience. So I've mastered the the ability to do that, and and I'm I'm I think that as far as skills go, I'm probably better at that than I am at painting. Like tech, like technical. We're talking about technical skill, like. Um, and and I needed I needed to learn how to do that. I needed to be able to do that. You know, that's why I went to Memphis. You know what I mean? Like being around like all of those different kind of people, being around white people. I mean, how many how many white people you seen at CVS, bro? You know, like just like the English teacher, the English teacher. You know, it was maybe two or three students. That was it. So, 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 so I had the learn how to be culturally competent and communicate because they don't, you know, they don't, they don't have to do that for us. You know, they don't have to cold switch or they don't have to adjust. They don't have to be around us for what they don't want to, but we, we live in a world that don't belong to us. So I learned that skill. And, and, and so a majority of the people who I talk to about this stuff are people who are outside of the culture, you know, and, and I think that, like, I think that it's, like, good, man. It's productive. Like, I, I never had anybody say I'm offended. And, I mean, if they were, I wish that they did so we could kind of process that. But I never never seen anyone grimace. I've never seen anybody turn red, you know, or or anything, you know. Like, I think that there's this, there's this curiosity, like, you know, I see myself, I don't really agree with how I'm depicted, but what's this about? You know what I mean? And, and, and I, I have an opportunity to, to really provide a, a perspective, education, and impart something on this person that they might not even be aware of, you know, because, because the fact of the matter is the color of their skin doesn't, produce barriers in their life you know uh the you know they they 
you know, the only barriers that they experience are kind of self erected. Um, And so, um, so I've had some real productive conversations, man. I've had some, I've had some people who have surprised me, you know, I mean, I was, I mean, I'm still uncomfortable showing this work sometimes, you know, because at first glance, when you read my bio and it says, oh, he paints white Americans as white monkeys. Yeah, that's that's kind of alarming, you know. But when we sit down and we we talk about this, like it ain't about white people, you know. This ain't about you. This is about me. You know, this is about me. Even this painting, I did three panels, right? 144 inches long, 60 inches tall. The only part of a black person you see in this entire painting is four fingers. But this whole painting is about that person, the person behind those fingers. It's like 20 monkeys or however many monkeys it is. But but that it's not about the monkeys, you know? It's about it's about the person and and how, you know. And how we we still, even when surrounded by monkeys, don't see this person as a person. Mm. It's, it's crazy. Very, I'm telling you, for those who, you, if you go to his page, Prosperous, uh, is it Prosperous Patterns or is it just Prosper? Oh, you naming some old school you know? recordings I did. You what? know? Don't be telling you these people know? to look for that music. You <laughs> no, know? It's um, Prosper, Prosper Jones, man. Prosper, Prosper Jones. Jones. Yeah, so when you go to his page, he recently put these pictures up. And these pictures are a very good depiction of art uh, and the way he sees things currently. Uh, I think they're just uh, just excellent pieces of work. But when you go, you you deduct from it what you will. You will oh, yeah. see something, something uh, totally different. I know what I see. Uh, I can, <laughs> well, what do what do you see? Because like, you I know, because I, because I, cause this is, this is why I'm asking because I just posted these, right? Mm-hmm. And, and no one, no one, even the people who saw them in progress really shared their thoughts. They were just like, oh, that's, that's awesome. Oh, I like that. Oh, I want to touch this, the texture. Oh, you know, this part is cool. Like, oh, whatever. Right. But like, but like they're done now, right? They're done. They're out there. They're in the world. Like, what do you what do you see, bro? Like, like when you look at it, what do you see? I, I see a person who's lost in the whole situation. You know what I mean? Uh, and he's fighting through despair uh, to be recognized, to be considered a, a whole person, but no one can see that, you know. And it seems to be in the picture, there's an argument over what this person really is, you know, without the person being able to say, I am human. You know, uh, uh, I do exist. I do have a voice. But you can't see that because there's an argument amongst these other people or influential uh, persons in the room who are trying to tell you who you are, you know. Um, and it's a yeah. conversation that has been, like you said, 1621, 1651. It's a conversation that has been happening for a very long time. Um, I know who I am. 
I know the things that have been denied of me. Uh, I know that, but I do know who I am. And for me personally now, I can't allow anyone else to speak for me without me speaking for myself. So for for me, when I'm looking at that, I, I I see a situation where everyone has a turn to speak for the actual human in the picture that you can see barely holding on for dear life, but the actual human. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I sent you I a mean, text message, too. So, you know what I mean? We were talking about some other stuff, but it's in oh, there. Oh, yeah. You know, what's funny is I was just about to say, like, I asked you, like, what Black history was to you, but I didn't even, even think to ask you what you, you know, how you, how you saw the painting. And thank you for that, by the way, because you, you actually helped. You actually helped me. You actually put some uh, some people on my radar who might who might not have otherwise been there that I that I definitely need to share uh, with this group that uh, I told you about. So I appreciate that. But yeah, man, the, uh, that's a good that's a good perspective, man. And and you know, like I I think that there are going to be a lot of people who um who have that same feeling but but see something maybe a slightly a little different and you know i i write all these words to share what i was thinking but you know i don't i don't mean to to steer people you know because it's not just the way that i wrote it what i what i'm writing is an abstract like that's that's kind of tied to the thoughts that went into the painting because i write I write all this stuff first. I write first, you know, the, the, the piece, like, I'd like, it's like writing a children's book, right? You write a children's book and then you get an illustrator to illustrate the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of how I approach painting. You know, I write the, I write the story first and then I base the paintings on the story, you know? So that was the other part I, I, I kind of got out of that painting too. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a story was being written for a person before they even had the chance, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, well, the story was being written because that person, it was illegal for that person to learn how to write themselves. Bang, bang. Again, we can sit here and dodge, man, listen, I told you when I saw it, the moment yeah. he was like, yo, when you did the FaceTime, the FaceTime call with me, um, and we Our were group looking chat? at it. Yeah, huh? Oh, the group chat? I was working on it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you first, were first working on it, and you was like, yo, you're not going to even believe me, but this is like, it's 12 by 5, and it's, it's, it's three pieces. And you showed me, you said, what do you, you said, nuts, what do you think about this this one right here with the, uh, with the portrait? And I said, man, I, I don't know what you got going on, but that looks like despair. Like there's no hope in that background. Yeah. And like, and then you say, all right, here goes the other two. And I was like, ooh, that's that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's some heat. Like that that's yeah. a, that's a conversation a lot of people aren't going to want to uh be associated with and address, but it's something that's been going on for forever. Uh yeah. Instead of putting it off and acting like it doesn't exist, like this did not happen. The only way to get past it is to actually talk about it, right? 
You hear right. saying that often, or if you talk to people, the only way to get past something is to talk about it, to talk through it. You know, to, to you, know, you know what's interesting. The the last line of my TED talk, you know, a little foreshadowing. You know, because you ain't gonna put this out before my talk come out anyway. Uh, uh, the the um, well, well, yeah, well, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's uh, it's like uh, only. Only through discussion might we find a middle ground that leads to an amicable solution. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's like it's like you can't be scared to talk about the stuff. But I and I think that, you know, I think that black people, brown people, you know, we we are extremely comfortable talking about the stuff because we've been talking about it since we came out the womb, you know, and I think that our white counterparts are a little more, you know, uncomfortable, maybe embarrassed or maybe just bashful uh, because this is a new conversation for them because they, they never had to walk into a room and think about how white they are before. You know, I mean, I think now, like, I don't know, I don't know that it's possible to not have these thoughts now and where we live because whiteness has been a, a spotlight has been, placed on whiteness and, and what that looks like and how that affects every other, uh, you know, reflection. And, but, you know, until, until they, I mean, it's going to take them a while to catch up and get the comfort level to where they're able to do that. It might even take a gen, another generation for real, for real. So. Uh, but, but, you know, we can't force the conversation. I mean, we can't force the change. I mean, we can, we can demand it and we can be direct and we can be everything that we have been. Um, but, but I think that uh, they're going to have to kind of arrive like in that comfort zone, you know, on their own time. And some people, some people have been able to do it, you know, but, and some people just haven't been, you know, uh, some people still don't think that it's a problem, you know, and then you're going to always have that, but, but you know, they just. I think they another just... part of it is is the way the conversation is going. It can't be two hot heads in a room, uh, right? With hate and rage on either side, trying to discuss something. It's just kind. Of, it's kind of like with me and certain people that are Christians, and then it's me with all these books I've read, and it's like, do you know that? And I go through the whole history thing, and then they're just stuck with that one book, and it's just like, we can do this all day. You can tear we can tear everything down and build it back up, but we have to find like like you said that middle ground to where there's a we we can agree to disagree or we find a solution to to what's going on. Uh, yeah, be able to change the narrative so it makes sense for everyone. Right, right, and that's and that's at the heart of 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 this this work, man. Like, you know, I'm not blaming anybody for anything. I'm not. I'm not trying to stoke the racial flames, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to prompt people to have conversations that lead to a place of empathy on both sides, you know, and, and that, that hopefully can, can help to foster uh, like incremental change, man, that leads to like a real shift in the culture, you know? Yeah. For everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's my game, man. That's what I do. That's, that's what I'm into. And I, I, 
you know, I can't imagine that that's going to change anytime soon. I mean, you just don't know because I've, again, I, I say it, you know, what you did was just, it's a dope piece of work and it's, it's good in a way and on a level that you could show it to people. And even if they don't get it at first, if you just say enough without saying it all, they, they'll look at it and just see it, you know, and, yeah. and the best I think one of the better parts of it to me is that you didn't use him. You didn't use him in bench. Yeah. And I don't, and if you notice, I never put these monkeys in clothes either, you know, no. like, cause it's not planet of the apes. Right. And I, and I, very early on, I had somebody come over and critique the work. And the first thing they said is that you need to be really careful because this could get like planet of the apes real quick and you lose the, the power in the work. And so when he said that, I was like, Planet of the Apes. And I started thinking about it. And, you know, I think, I think it, you know, the old school Planet of the Apes, they wore clothes. You know what I mean? Like in the 70s, the one, the original, like the new one with uh, Caesar, they just regular apes and they don't wear clothes. But, but, um, but I thought about, I mean, this was an older person. So I, I was assuming uh, that he was referencing that one. And so, and so I, that's been on my mind too. It's like, okay, you know, just, especially the, the uh, American elephant, like, cause the monkey had the rifle. It's like, that could be, I mean, I could lose, I, I, it could be diluted just by someone in a room saying that reference and, and then just being laughing and, and because now it's a joke, right? It's, it's, Right. It's humor. It's humorous versus representing this reality that that we all know too well to be true. And like and that and that would upset me, you know. So so there there's very deliberate compositional things like that's why each of the panels in this new painting in lot thir number 13, each of the panels has numbers in it. Right. And each of the numbers represent like a historical fact. Right. And uh, they had their anchor, their anchor anchored in reality so that no one can, you can't say Planet of the Apes and, and take, take this painting away from, them. you know what I mean? Um, so, so I just, you know, you know, so I, you know, dodging, dodging a comedic threat and walking the fine line between being or being perceived as a racist and then painting, telling these, these traumatic, oftentimes black stories about the legacy of, you know, white supremacy, all of those things in each painting, like I have to consider them all before I even draw it, man. You know, um, well, you know, it didn't come out like that way. It felt like you you had an idea and you was like, I'm I'm about to execute this on a level where people should either be able to understand it or not. And if you yeah. don't, that's fine because we know, you know, everybody, we ain't everybody's cup of tea, you know? Right, right. The main thing is that the, the vision you had, to me, was executed on a high level. I appreciate that. On a yeah, yeah. On a, on a really good on a really good level and yeah i don't 
I only compliment people when I like some shit. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like we were talking earlier, I I don't waste my time with giving you bullshit and filler just to make you feel good. And yeah, like if I just be honest with you, if I tell you how I feel, you know, at least you don't have to double back and, and ask me, hey, you know how you feel? And I gotta go, uh, yeah, I said, uh, ain't none of that. I told you what's up. Um, yeah. I like it. I like it. Good. I, I thank you, man. Sorry. Good piece of art. I can send you one of the messages I got with somebody sent me, and they sent me like all emojis, fire emojis. Yeah, it's dope. Share, share, share it with me, man. Share it with me, please, please, yeah. please. Like I, um, you know, I, I, I like seeing that, man, because I work, I work in a in a bubble. You know what I mean? Like I got my crew, and we, uh, we kind of keep to ourselves, and you know, we, I bounce my thoughts off of them, and yeah. And, you know, so, so I don't, there's not a whole lot of outside. I'm the um, same way when it comes to music and, and it's fucking podcast. Like, I, yeah. I don't listen to nothing else no more. Like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, you sent me, you sent me a freestyle. I didn't listen to it yet because yeah. I was, I, I've been don't on call it. all day. Don't worry. But, but when I get, when I get done, when I get done with, with this call, I'm a, uh, I'm gonna listen to it, man. And, you know, cause I, at now I've been getting into this habit every night but when I'm going to sleep now, I can't, I can't sleep. Right. I got, I got 10% on my phone, so I'll make this quick, but I can't sleep at night because all I think about is this kind of stuff. Right. So instead of laying there tossing and turning, I listen to like podcasts or, I mean, I only, there's only three podcasts now that I ever listened to one is yours one is thorn in my side which is this dude asa featherstone and then the other one is the art and bs podcast and these are all once i was on them i started listening to them i'm like oh this is dope you know what i mean so and then now now last night i was listening to this Bisa butler interview and so i listened to like i listened to art something art related now and i wind up going to sleep to it it's like my my version of a bedtime story so so I'm gonna listen to your uh, your freestyle, bro. And, and um, I mean, is it an actual freestyle or did you just call it a freestyle? I just called it a freestyle. Only okay, only okay. about eight bars was actually freestyle. Everything. Okay, okay. So either way, you know that's that's on deck tonight, and uh, and I'll I'll give you uh, I'll give you my feedback in the morning. Bird, big bird. All right. Salute to Michael Kopash. Oh man, I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Um, he will be doing a TED talk real soon. I yeah, Saturday. Even this after, you know, he does that, so you know everything is thorough. So maybe they can just Google Google it and help me go viral. Help me get that genius grant. Word, big bird. I'll probably <laughs> just put out this part right here. Sorry. Yeah, so he trying to get that big grant. That big grant. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll probably put it out Tuesday or something like that. Um, All right, bet. I need bet. to put. I need to put Matt's shit out. That shit's like four hours. I can't wait to hear his though, because I, I'm, I bet it was legit. That's my, that's my dude though, man. Yeah. I like, I like this, man. I like this, like this. You got this. These are like time capsules, man. They're like, yeah. they're like time capsules that time capsules that you open up and. Correct. And they, because I feel like I'm documenting pieces of your history yeah. that people can go back and later say, hey, he did this at this particular time and this is how he got to where he was in art, you know? Yeah, I yeah. like that, man. I yeah. like that. Yeah.
definitely. But this is another episode of Faux Profit Pro Faux Profits Podcast. I can't even say my own shit. Faux Profits. Faux Profits. And this is another episode with Michael Kopash. Uh, he has some very interesting artworks coming out. Um, he will be doing a TED Talk very soon. Appreciate you, my brother. I appreciate you as well, my brother. Yes, sir. I'm gonna let you get to your little ten percent battery and shit. Oh, it's about to be four percent now. You know, I was at ninety one percent when we started, so you know we've been we've been getting it in. Yeah, well, I'm about to get ready to elevate and meditate. So, <laughs> all right, I appreciate then. you, man. It's all love. Yeah, you too, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time and thank you for extending your platform to me. And always, bro. Anytime, anytime. Okay. And I'll catch you. I'll catch you in the morning. Word, big bird. All right.